Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Kirk Ball. Kirk is the Chief Information Officer of Giant Eagle, a 104-year-old supermarket chain that earns roughly $10 billion in annual revenue. Kirk's been in his role for roughly three and a half years, and he runs all things digital at the company. I look forward to hearing more about his strategic priorities, how he manages a largely virtual team, and where he sees innovation in the future at a company like Giant Eagle. Prior to his time with the company, Kirk was the CIO of the Christ Hospital Health Network. Kirk, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Great. It's nice to be here, Peter. Thank you for having me. Ah, that's a, I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Well, let's let's begin, Kirk, with um, your role in your company. You are the Chief Information Officer of Giant Eagle. And for those who may be less familiar with Giant Eagle, can you take a, a couple of minutes and provide an overview of the business, please? Yeah, sure. It's uh, it's a wonderful company that I've had the pleasure to be a part of the last two and a half years. Uh, Giant Eagle is a multi-channel retailer. We have uh, grocery stores, we have pharmacies, we have convenience stores, and we also sell fuel. We operate we're what what we would call a regional gem. So we operate from Maryland over through Indiana um, with those different formats. Uh, and we think those formats complement each other very, very nicely, uh, especially when you layer over top of that, you know, pretty robust loyalty program uh, that really spreads across all those different channels. Um, so a multi-billion dollar uh, retailer privately held. Um, we've been in existence for 80 plus years. I think it's 85 or 86 years now going on, uh, continuing to to grow. And so it's been a great experience. And as I, as I mentioned, I've been there about two and a half years and uh, boy, we've, we've been moving fast. We're going through transition transformation uh, in the technology space. And uh, it's been a great ride, been a ton of fun. Uh, I really enjoy those transformation uh, opportunities. Uh, certainly the team had done a lot of great things prior to me getting there. And we've done uh, some additional things since I've been there and really proud of where we're at. Yeah, well, looking forward to dive into some of those details. Let's talk, let's talk about your role, if we, we can, Kirk. You, of course, as you mentioned, and as I did as well, you're the chief information officer. Uh, what, what falls within your purview as CIO? Uh, pretty much everything that's related to technology at Giant Eagle. So whether it be analytics, CISO, uh, software development, delivery, um, platforms, data centers, uh, managing cloud platforms, um, et cetera. So uh, network uh, so a broad, you know, endpoint uh, compute, desktops, laptops, mobile devices, et cetera, field service maintenance. Uh, so as we have to service technology in stores. So it's a pretty broad brush uh, set of responsibilities, but I've got a lot of great team members that I work with that have helped us uh, do a pretty good job. T take a moment, if you would, Kirk, to, to talk about the structure of the IT organization. Do, do you have members of your team that are aligned with different parts of the organization? Do you, uh, is it more centralized? Talk, talk a bit about how, how your team is structured. Yeah, I, look, I would say, well, first of all, we, uh, we don't have a corporate office. So we are a, a distributed uh, virtual organization to start with. And the way that we're structured is we have uh, teams, I would say, primarily at the application layer that are really aligned around specific business units. So we have a team that really services and focuses and builds expertise uh, on the supply chain uh, area of our business. We have a group that uh, focuses on uh, the retail operations portion of our business. We have a group that focuses on HR, finance, I'll say uh, back office types of solutions. 
Um, so we have folks, you know, focused on merchandising. So when it comes to specific key areas of our business, at least at the application discipline, we have folks that work to really uh, hone in and are structured and aligned, if you will, to service those particular key business units. And once you get to a certain level, we have what I'll say are common services. So whether it's networking, whether it's endpoint compute, whether it's distribute or uh, data centers, uh, whether it's platforms, databases, uh, middleware, um, those uh, those teams really service all of those different. They service the enterprise as a whole and all those specific uh, business units. And so they sit in more of a common services kind of a structure wrapped around a technology discipline as opposed to being aligned specifically to a particular area of the business. So I'd say it's a hybrid for all intents and purposes. And you mentioned the fact that yours is distributed in as much as it's a virtual team, that the even at the executive level, of course, which you are a part of, uh, it's not as though you're all in the same headquarters uh, as as uh, businesses once were almost always uh, uh, the case. In fact, I you were a relatively early uh, adopter of a primarily virtual model, even uh, doing away with a headquarters or head office. Talk a bit about how that's worked, uh, Kirk, uh, and how you stimulate, um, you know, a, a culture w- without some of the usual mechanisms to help foster it of simply people having a lot of accidental collisions and reasons to be together and that that sort of thing. What are some of your insights there? Yeah, there's uh, certainly a lot there. I'll try to be brief, but there's uh, there's a lot to cover there. Uh, yeah, look, when I uh, started, you know, we had been working as an enterprise uh, virtually as the pandemic was kind of at its height. Uh, the enterprise decided to go, and I had not yet joined, the enterprise decided to go temporarily virtual. Uh, about, um, and I've been there about two and a half years, about two months prior to my joining, we decided to go totally virtual. So we uh, shut down our corporate office. Um, and decided that permanently we were going to go into a virtual nature. Um, certainly, uh, one of the things that that afforded us the opportunity to do in the technology space and really across our business is to start to really look at the world as our oyster when it comes to acquire finding and acquiring talent. Uh, you know, if you don't have to focus on, you know, trying to get folks to move to a particular location, Pittsburgh's a great town. I love Pittsburgh. Uh, but if, if you have the flexibility to have a corporate, you know, have a, a virtual uh, environment, uh, you can start to hire around the planet and folks get that flexibility. And that opens up a lot of uh, avenues. It opens a lot of touch points with with really world class talent. Uh, and certainly we had a lot of world class talent, but now you can you don't have to you know, seek world class talent out and then try to convince somebody to move somewhere where they might already have you know, a life that's going in a place that they enjoy and their family might, you know, all their family might be there and they want to stay there. So that was a a huge benefit for us. Uh, And we subsequently have started to cast a very wide net, pretty much global. Uh, We just opened a a captive in Bangalore and uh, have become a global technology team. Look, I think one of the things that really helps with that, though, is I think it's very important that the teams uh, that you work with, your team members, um, that collectively as an organization, from a business perspective and a technology perspective, you have a really strong vision. You have a really strong concrete strategy on how you're going to achieve that vision, all the way down to the specific initiatives that you're going to spin up uh, over a three to five year window to be able to deliver that strategy, which ladders up to that uh, vision. 
And so we have uh, we have done that internally. Uh, our business partners have worked put together a three to five year strategy uh, that's pretty detailed. Uh, or subsequently, in parallel, uh, at the same time, we started to work in the technology space to put together a corresponding technology strategy that laddered right up to that business strategy. So. One, it was a great opportunity for us to partner up with uh, folks in other disciplines, whether it be retail operations or uh, merchandising or marketing or back office, and certainly get a glimpse and start to collaborate with them on their strategy and then help them understand and partner with them on what solutions from a technology perspective are we going to put in place to help them accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. And then clearly what we were able to do is we were able to take that vision and that detailed strategy with detailed initiatives and specific timeframes. And we were able to then consistently communicate on a very frequent basis with the team members within the technology space to say, hey, here's what we're trying to accomplish. And here's why, from a business perspective, we're trying to accomplish uh, the implementation of these, uh, these solutions. And, you know, I think the thing that it's also done is it's really given uh, our technology team members an opportunity to understand on a regular basis how what they do every day, how does it contribute to what we're trying to accomplish at a business level? Because the vision and the linkage between the business strategy and the technology strategy, business initiatives and technology initiatives, it's there, it's crystal clear. And uh, we've communicated that. We consistently communicate uh, that to our team members. We keep score uh, according to how well we're progressing against our, uh, our strategy and our deliverables uh, and our projects. And it's a great way for everybody to start to understand, well, this is how what I do contributes to the success of the organization. And that, you know, really gets people engaged. It raises the engagement level. Uh, to uh, a place that uh, is really, really impactful from a cultural perspective. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention is, you know, when we, as we were kind of in parallel with our, with our uh, business peers, as we were putting together the technology strategy, we really focused on um, allowing many of the team members in the technology space to contribute to the, the, uh, maturation, the development of that technology strategy. So it starts to become ours and not mine. And I think it's very, very effective when people have an opportunity to contribute to the development of strategy. They have a voice. Uh, and so then it becomes a collective uh, owned by the technology group and you get a little bit more invested. You become a little bit more engaged, right? Because you have your thumbprints uh, on this particular strategy. And, and that was very, very impactful. So uh, those were a couple of things that, uh, that I, would, I would say. It's a great overview. And I, I love that, uh, that, that vision truly uh, to connect what you're doing so explicitly with the, uh, the plans and needs and priorities of the rest of the organization as well. Can you talk a little bit further about some of the substance of the strategy, some of the areas that you and the team are driving forward, especially now that we you kind of look ahead to, to 2023? What are some areas of priority? Uh, well, I would say all areas. Uh, it, seems like, <laughs> it, it seems like someday we've lit all the candles at once. But uh, yeah, look, at clearly uh, making sure that our data is really well managed as a foundation that services not only uh, the maturing uh, analytics insights work that we're doing, but also the work that we're doing around implementation of new or modern technology platforms 
such as in the merchandising space, uh, you know, you have to have really robust and solid data foundations. So we're spending a lot of time on getting our foundation solid as it relates to data. We're putting in uh, some more advanced uh, systems in key areas. You know, I mentioned merchandising technology space. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're putting in and really shoring up and, and improving the foundation in some of our back office solutions. So we have uh, two ERP initiatives that we that we have going on. One is nearing completion, and that's for our convenience store business, uh, which is very important to our overall uh, business strategy. And then we're putting in an Oracle ERP solution uh, for the enterprise as a whole. So, uh, I, I, you know, I would bucket the sets of work, uh, certainly some process improvement. Uh, you know, solidifying uh, an implementation of ITIL, for example, and some of the basic foundational process work, developing a service catalog, uh, setting service level objectives for that, those uh, services that are defined in that service catalog, and then measuring on a monthly basis, uh, continuing to focus on how we're improving the quality of the service that we deliver. Then certainly uh, improving uh, and, and maturing the way in which we deliver projects. Uh, we have uh, implemented a, a pretty robust PMO process, uh, one that is light, that allows uh, for agility and speed, but one that allows for effective management of, of projects. And we've seen significant improvement in the quality uh, and the uh, on-time delivery of the projects uh, that we have uh, been delivering. Uh, and then you've got um, certainly uh, innovation. So we have a number of things from an innovation perspective. Uh, that we're uh, looking at, whether it be, you know, how to do more effective uh, piece pick, uh, whether it be um, things in the digital space, items in the digital space, uh, or whether it be, uh, you know, things in store, how do you bring inanimate objects to life to create a much more immersive experience? You know, so whether it's, uh, you know, I think one of the things I think that's really interesting to us and we're going to start spending some more time on is augmented reality. Uh, you know, how do you bring the shelves to life so as people are shopping, they're getting additional information about the particular products or items that they're looking at, right? More than just seeing a price or whether or not it's, uh, you know, on sale. But if I can bring that object to life to understand, well, here's some recipes, here's things I can do with that, right? Here's where this particular product was sourced from. Uh, you can start to give a much more richer experience. And I think if you can, if you can animate those inanimate objects in a store, uh, I think you can do uh, certainly a ton of things. You know, how do you make sure that you have product on shelf whenever it's needed at the right time, at the right location? So these are all, all, all problems that are probably pretty common for retailers, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, uh, challenges and opportunities and things we're looking at doing as well. Great examples and very innovative things. It sounds like you and the team are focused on there. Um, I, I also wanted to, as we talk about uh, talent and people and, and collaboration and so on, I was fascinated to learn from you uh, that you've started a global capability center in Bangalore. Uh, talk a bit about um, the the vision for that, as well as how that's going and its contribution to the, to the larger organization. Yeah, look, I, I mentioned earlier, we, we are, we've grown into a global technology group. Uh, we have a lot of great team members in North America, uh, but certainly there's a, a war for talent uh, in North America. And I mentioned earlier, as we have implemented a, a virtual uh, aspect of our business, now the world becomes your oyster. And so you can look for talent um, anywhere on the planet. And certainly one of the places there is a, a ton of really, really quality talent is in India and specifically 
we have focused and spent time uh, standing up a global capability center in Bangalore. Uh, you know, if you just look at the statistics, I'm going to get this wrong, but uh, if you look at the number of students uh, in the engineering discipline that are graduated from India, and you compare that to the number of engineering information technology students that are graduated in the U.S., just statistically, the numbers are massively different. Uh, I was trying to find this on the Internet the other day, uh, but they're almost an order of magnitude different in terms of the numbers. So. Uh, we certainly graduate and have a ton of great talent in the U.S. There's a lot of great schools here, but it's volume, it's statistics, right? And so we decided in order to, um, to uh, expand our, our search for talent, uh, we decided to stand up a global capability center in Bangalore. Uh, the other thing it affords us the opportunity to do is, is we have gotten the teams now um, to really mesh and figure out how to effectively manage work between the two groups, you can now extend the day. So instead of getting eight to 10 hours out of your team members in North America, you can now start to get a greater amount of time during a calendar day where I'm working 16 to 20 hours. And so the flywheel of uh, delivery starts to increase significantly. Uh, so those are really kind of our two major reasons for uh, opening up the Global Capability Center. And so far, it's worked out really, really well. We've got a lot of great team members in Bangalore. Uh, or the, the two groups, uh, our, our team members in North America, team members in Bangalore, coming together very, very nicely. Uh, certainly, you have to manage uh, just different cultural expectations, small things that you just don't. They're both great sets of people, but, you know, we all have our uh, cultures that we grew up with and how we do our work and how we search for a job or how we accept the job, the expectations that we have for employers. And uh, but, yeah, it's worked It's worked out really, really well. I'm really happy to see how we're blending and creating a global uh, technology organization. It's been fantastic so far. Very interesting. Appreciate that overview. I, I also have been fascinated, Kirk, by your your background. You've worked for a diverse array of companies. Uh, uh, I won't list them all, but uh, it includes Reynolds and Reynolds, uh, a technology organization. You work for Kroger, certainly a business that rhymes with your own, so a bit more similar to the current post. But immediately prior to this one, you were also the uh, CIO of the Christ Hospital Health Network in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so uh, a healthcare role as well. And I wonder what, what lessons you draw from the diversity of experiences that you've had, whether it's uh, perhaps some of the commonalities across uh, very different kinds of companies, um, or, or even what you've learned about yourself in terms of your ability to, uh, to, to, to shape and, and mold your own career in a variety of different ways uh, as you've progressed. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I could probably wax eloquent for the next three days on that topic, but uh, look, a couple of things I'll tell you is I think uh, challenging yourself to experience diversity of um, business models, challenging yourself to interact with different types of um, customers, whether it be folks that are retailers that have that pressure of every day delivering for customers in a store, whether it be physicians that have that pressure every day of helping um, customers slash patients get better. Uh, whether it be in a manufacturing discipline, uh, making sure that your uh, production uh, figures are hitting the quality that you need, the volume that you need. Uh, all of those have helped me to see things and have a broader perspective on the way that I approach uh, the opportunities in which I've worked. Um, and then the other thing uh, that I'll tell you is, look, I think uh, 
and I would say this has been an area of me uh, maturing over the course of my career. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty competitive person. And sometimes in the past, when I first started out in the, in the uh, industry, you know, I was very competitive and wanted to make sure that I was growing my career. Uh, and I, I have matured and grown dramatically to uh, see the value of making sure that everybody is growing their career. You know, and I would liken, and I'm going to, I'm going to probably reveal my age a little bit, but I would liken it to the difference between the first three years when Michael Jordan came into the league and he was scoring 30 to 40 points a night, but his teams weren't winning championships because it was all about him. And you watched Magic Johnson and Larry Bird come into the league and immediately they, they got five players. They got a whole team to play collectively as a team. And the 80s were championships between the Lakers and the Celtics. And you, you, you take that metaphor uh, to the professional world and you go, you know what? Those team members that help others around them be better and they raise the whole team up, those are the team members uh, that really can create significant value proposition for the enterprise, for the team, and they're going to get plenty of opportunities. And uh, I made that transition early on in my career. And boy, I'll tell you what, it has been uh, so rewarding. Uh, you know, I've had lots of folks help me and give me advice uh, in my career, and it's been wonderful to be able to do the same and help others uh, raise their game a little bit and be a, just a small part of helping them, uh, you know, succeed. Uh, and so those, those would be the two things, that diversity of perspective and thought, uh, putting yourself in challenging situations and forcing yourself to learn different, different uh, business models, different ways to apply technology to those different business models, and making sure that you're uh, a Magic Johnson or Larry Bird and you're making the whole team around you, uh, you're helping, helping them do whatever the team needs to do. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I lo love the analogies as well. I wanted to ask you about trends. We've already talked about a number of them, including the use, uh, creative use of augmented reality, for example. I wonder, as you look to the future, Kirk, are there other trends that excite you uh, that are beginning to make their way onto your roadmap? Yeah, look, I think this continued journey, especially for retailers and how we blend the physical and the digital experience uh, for customers to uh, enrich the uh, in-store physical experience to be more uh, animated, more interactive, uh, along with the digital experience to make it feel almost seamless that the enterprise knows me. They know my taste. They know my preferences, whether I'm in a digital uh, experience with an enterprise or whether I'm in a physical experience with an enterprise, right? Uh, I think there's uh, a, a lot of things that you can do uh, really uh, deepening personalization in a way that adds value to customers. Look, I think I think uh, our guests are, at least in the retail space, are much like water and electricity. They will flow to the path of least resistance. So if we can create a seamless, frictionless experience for them, I think it continues to set Giant Eagle apart. Uh, we give them a pleasing experience. where It's not a friction-heavy experience. Uh, so things certainly like augmented reality, I think, are incredibly interesting. I think this continued journey along the AI and ML space really helping enterprises and our business partners see around the corner, right? And I really think uh, that's what that's one of the key things I think that AI and ML can help us do is to see around the corner. What are evolving customer trends? What's the data? There's all kinds of stories being told in the data and the point of sale transactions and uh, interactions we get from customers. How do we effectively listen to those stories and make sure that they don't go unheard? 
And so I think this ability to listen to those stories, what's the data telling us and really give that information to the enterprise and to those that we work with uh, that in other disciplines, how do we help them see around the corner? How do we see around the corner, right? So certainly I think spending a lot of time with uh, third parties, whether it be uh, private equity or VCs um, in uh, venture capital firms uh, around the, the country, what are they investing their dollars in, right? Help us understand what new capabilities are coming that we can potentially apply to the problems that we're trying to solve. So I certainly think the AI and ML space, data, managing your data very, very effectively so you can hear those stories. I think the augmented reality capability and I think uh, computer vision uh, to help you really see what's going on where you don't have physical eyes, but how do I make sure that I have product on shelf? Right, and how can potentially I leverage computer vision uh, to help me see more effectively what's going on in whatever area I'm trying to manage, whether it be a distribution center or a store, to make sure that I'm creating that frictionless, seamless experience for customers. Great insights and a lot for us to keep our eyes open for as, uh, as time goes on. You, you already revealed a number of things that have been difference makers for you, uh, Kirk, in your career. Uh, thinking like a team, being more like a Larry Bird or Magic Johnson and surrounding yourself with you know, team members that, that, that help each other be better. Uh, you talked about the, the, the sanctity of diversity of perspectives and thoughts and uh, exposing yourself to different business models as well. Are, are there any other kind of difference makers along the lines of, um, you know, your rise that you would call out as, as helpful perhaps for others uh, who might wish to walk in your footsteps? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's a challenging um, high wire act to, to execute, but I think, transparency with those that you work with and transparency with your with your teammates why why are why is our business a, a set of objectives changing why are we trying to go a certain way uh, making sure that there's transparency and people understand uh, what what were the motivating factors for a particular decision being made as much as you can talk about uh, I, I think giving people context for the reason decisions are made uh, the direction that we're going, uh, I think giving people context and transparency is massively, uh, massively important to the teams that you work with. Uh, and I've always worked to really try and do that. Um, and it's made a difference. I think it, it's really helped me create a really good connection with the teams that I work with. Uh, it builds trust. It builds um, a willingness to understand that there will be some things that we can't talk about. But if I can talk about it, uh, I'm going to talk about it to help give you context so we can kind of rally around the direction we're trying to go. So I think, I think it's massively important. It's subtle, but it's really, really important in my opinion. Well, Kirk Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. What an interesting conversation covering the remarkable work you and your team are doing at Giant Eagle, a bit more about your career path as well and some of the insights you garnered along the way. I really appreciate you sharing those insights uh, with me and with this audience.